In this episode of Octal FM, let us take you back to 1984 and the release of Elite on the BBC Micro, a video game that not only gave birth to an entirely new genre, but also changed the gaming landscape forever. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we're going to talk about the video game series Elite, which mm. we have touched upon before and actually plays a really big part of our lives and also how our friendship formed. And so yeah. we wanted to sort of talk and and talk and kind of teach you the listener uh, a little bit about the history of the games elite because it's actually quite there's some really interesting stories and also talk about what it was like for us when we played the original elite quite a long time after it came out Mm. we weren't born at the right time (laughs) no no it it was definitely before our time but interestingly we we still sort of experienced not the very original version of the game but sort of like the slightly later re-released version mm. of the game yeah uh, but i feel like we got the the best bits of it because like yeah. we got to play the best version of the game which is pretty cool yeah and and now with um the new version of elite elite dangerous or elite 4 as we kind of like thought it was going to be called forever mm. we've both played that i actually uh, backed it it was a it was a crowdfunded game uh, and then you played it you sort of joined a bit later on once the game was actually released yeah that's right and we definitely want to talk about elite dangerous uh during the episode itself because we like like you mentioned a few like a minute ago we've talked about it a lot i think in the episodes yes. like in passing like we definitely had a large segment on it during our episode on community management and mm, we also we talked did. about it in things like the um in the episode regarding MMOification, was, was that what we called oh, it? Oh, yeah, it was. yeah, we did. Because that, I mean, that kind of played a reason into why we discussed that topic mm. is because we were both playing Elite and this is something we both kind of identified as, as something that it was the case of the game. So we thought that rather than just keep beating around the bush, we'd just do an episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like you said, it's, it's something that's pretty important to us because mm. one of the reasons that like, we kind of became friends among many reasons was because we wanted to play this game together in school. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you're not familiar with the series elites, uh, maybe you've missed the episodes where we've talked about it. The original game came out in 1984 and it was written by two people. Uh, and it's a, it's a, essentially a space simulator, like an arcade space simulator where you are, it's in the future and you are flying a ship and it was one of the very, very early examples of a sandbox game and a game that you could play over multiple settings rather mm. than something like Pac-Man or, you know, arcade games where you play them for a few minutes. Elite was designed to be played for hours and for hours multiple times, like over and over, possibly for, for, mm. for days, weeks or months, which was relatively unheard of in 1984, especially as a as a PC game, like a game for a computer that you bought rather than a console. 
I mean, with the exception of like text-based adventure games, can you even think of many games from back then which had like a progression system? Because like Elite mm. allowed you like you know upgrade your ship and buy new new ships outright and kind of expand what you could do. I it, yeah. I think back then it was mostly just a case of getting the high score. Wasn't yeah, it? it basically was. It was it was it was absolutely groundbreaking for its time. It was originally released on the BBC Micro, so that was the. Um, Correct me if correct me if I'm wrong. You you may know that was the the uh, computer that was essentially given to schools. Like it was it was put in schools um, as as kind of like a learning tool, like a learning computer, if you like. Yeah, if I remember rightly, I think it was supposed to be in conjunction with a television program on That's the right. BBC, as yes. in the British Broadcasting yes. Corporation. And it was supposed to be allowing students to sort of like learn what computers were because this is like during the time when computers were something that are like, you know, very sci-fi, high techy stuff, you know? Yeah, that's really only just only just started. You know, you did you didn't even have properly established keyboards, you know, PC, mm. the PC as a platform wasn't really a thing at this point. It was no. actually all these things like the Spectrum and the Micro and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Like there were there was basically a platform wars, but for computers instead of for consoles yeah. in a way. Yeah, I mean, that, there's a really rich history there, and it's not something we've got time to go into now, but it's definitely something we can maybe talk about in future. Mm. But that was when, like you say, the BBC Micro came out, and the the game was released for it, because I believe they both, the, the two creators of the games, had quite a lot of experience with the kind of, like, the predecessor of it, if mm. I remember rightly. Yes. Is that right? I think so. So it's um, two people, Ian Bell and David Braben. Um, and they... They met at uh, Cambridge University. Because of course they did. They were almost certainly doing maths. <laughs> and and they, they were basically, it was such an early days of, of computers that they were playing around with, with writing code and, and writing games and realised that they could actually write games that were better than the ones that were being sold because mm. it was so early on that, you know, just two people could just like write random games that were better than what were being sold. And so... They, yeah, they, they came up with the idea for Elite and they wanted, you know, it was very, very ambitious um, that, you know, they wanted, as you say, all of these things like they wanted there to be loads of things that you can do and they wanted progression and they wanted you to, you know, just stuff that was basically unheard of. And interestingly, that there's a lot of interesting stories and actually there's a really great article in The Guardian from quite a while ago, which is an excerpt from a book. Uh, and there's a lot of really interesting stories, but one of the ones that I really like is um, when they had, you know, that when they were working on Elite, they took it to a couple of publishers at the time, you know, game publishers. And it was originally rejected from one publisher because they were like, no one's going to understand this. Like... Every game needs to have three lives. <laughs> you need to be able to play it in 10 minutes and you need to be able to immediately get like make progress and get somewhere in the game. And the 3D, like no one is going to be able to understand the 3D. No one is going to be able to understand the trading system that you've built into this. Like they were just basically like, it's just not, no one's going to like it. <laughs> yeah, like they they very much were trying to create a more modern game from an era that where modern games wasn't the thing. Absolutely. Cuz like you look at it with hindsight now and the game is actually quite good like yeah. even now. Even now. Um, obviously it's dated, obviously. Yeah. But it has a lot of systems in it that you'd expect in modern games. Mm -hmm. Like it has like a trading interface which tells yep. you everything about what you need to know about like trading commodities. And the 3D 
aspect of it is quite good considering the vast limitations of the computers that were running these things like it was basically vector graphics wasn't it in the original yes um the original micro uh because we had a slightly different version on the the arc archimedes didn't we yeah the acorn that we played and that had more that i think that had color it did and it had like a much more higher kind of vector count so it gave a much better sense of scale yeah but i mean even on the very original you could still see what they were going for you could kind of get a feel for how big these space stations were and and where the ships that were you were dogfighting with were placed around mm, you and mm. I, I was watching some gameplay footage of the very original just to kind of refresh myself and the thing that stood out to me the most was how they seemed to manage to create that 3d radar you know the one yes. that basically use in Elite Dangerous now, like yeah, yeah, it yeah, was the same in the thing. original 1984 edition, <laughs> and that's amazing. You know, yeah. to think that they were able to program that into such a simple computer, yeah, uh, yeah simple exactly. by today's standards, obviously. Yeah, but that you say that plays into the whole publishers are basically being what? No, you stop living in fantasy land. You need to actually make something that you can do. Yeah. So I think they were just like, well, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they found they eventually found a publisher that um they that, a publisher that realized that it was going that it was super valuable and it was amazing. And there's a there's another funny story as well, which is that because the game the original game is like a an early example of procedural generation. You know, mm. it has hundreds of stars um and and space stations and names of of stations and planets. And obviously, the, the, you know the, the the computing power there was not even storage for that kind of thing you couldn't store that much information on a on a cassette um, no. to, to, to for that to work so they had an algorithm that generated it now this we're talking procedural generation which is something that is still a buzzword today with things yeah. like no man's sky yeah whereas they were doing this back in 1984 um and actually originally they were going to have 282 million million galaxies in the game because they could because their algorithm was so good and the publisher (laughs) was like people are going to realize that's fake (laughs) yes that's just a bit too much it doesn't make it feel curated but uh so yeah. yeah that's that but the fact that they could do it Yes, yeah. I think most, the most important thing. And that, to me, speaks to both of them as both gamers and designers. Mm, mm. Because they really... You could see what they wanted. Yeah. You could see that both of them wanted basically a really fun, cool game. And they also wanted to kind of push their well, their mathematics yeah. knowledge that they, they both have had quite a lot of in abundance of to the limit and really take advantage of what they knew. Yes. And what they knew was to create this sort of like very technically impressive game yeah and sometimes when that happens you end up making a really technically impressive game which doesn't really work and wasn't very Mm. fun like for example you already used the example actually that no man's sky is a bit like that yeah 100 technically it's very impressive but it isn't really a great fun game but elite was and obviously it did very well because i mean for, you've written here that every single bbc micro that was ever kind of sold and released had basically a copy of elite with it because that's how many copies were sold. Yeah, it was one to one. Like, like obviously, it's like some people may have bought more than one copy or whatever, yes. or lost a copy, or all of those kinds of things. But nonetheless, they literally sold one copy of the game, pretty much for every BBC Micro that was ever made. Which is madness. You imagine if you imagine today, it's like for every single PS4 sold, 
a particular game, like literally every single person buys the same game. Like yeah. that, that, that would never happen now. Even even Nintendo and Super Mario well, Galaxy or something. Uh, it's not. I mean, you say you know, that. I think Breath of the Wild did manage it, didn't it? Did it for, for a while? Yeah. Well, actually, weirdly, for a while, Breath of the Wild had sold more copies than mm. they sold Switches. I remember that. You're right. <laughs> Which I'm not sure how that happened, but yeah. That gives you an idea of the scale, right? Like we're talking, considering it's a space game, which is not something that people traditionally say is like universally mm. appealing. It's sold in the same way that Breath of the Wild sell, sold on the Switch today. And this yes. is at a time when PC, you know, personal computers were a new thing. Games were a new thing, relatively speaking. You know, so to achieve that is... It cannot be understated the importance no. of Elite in video gaming history, even though it's a space game, you know, which is something that you might, you know, you think of Pac-Man as a, or something like that as like a pinnacle game. You don't think of Elite. And it really did create a legacy as mm. well. Mm. And there were, uh, there were two direct sequels to the original Elite, um, excluding Elite Dangerous, which we're going to talk about like on its own. And then that sort of like set, the bar basically for space in games from there on really i i don't think there's a single space in game realistically that's been released ever since that doesn't have some level of root in mm-hmm. the original elite yeah absolutely because they all have very similar sort of ideas and mechanics and i mean there's so many games that owe its that owe their existence to elite and don't even have to be involved in space whatsoever uh, i don't think that's an un- i don't think that's an overstatement to be perfectly no, honest definitely not but the game got a direct sequel in 1993 in the form of Frontier Elite 2, mm. which was... Now, I didn't do this research. You should. You can maybe tell me. Was this also a joint game between uh, Braben and Bell? Or no. Was this, no this, this, was this was when now, they'd had a little bit of a kerfuffle, wasn't it? Yeah. This... Like, there's not really a lot there in terms of the story. Like, it's basically just... They had a falling out and, dis- and a disagreement about what they wanted to do, and they both basically went their separate ways. Um, and David ended up being the one that you know took the elite uh, name and, and carried on and built and, and wrote the sequels and stuff like that. It's actually interesting that the the sequel to the game was released in 1993, and the version that we played was 1991. So it's actually yeah. pretty close to when the yeah. sequel came out because the version that we played was as you said, was on the Acorn Archimedes. And we actually used to play it at school, right? Mm -hmm. When we were at school, it was just at that point where you stopped having Acorn Archimedes computers and you started to have Windows machines. Yeah. (laughs) Because I think at this point, especially in British schools, you had the instance of like a lot of schools would have a specific computer. Mm. Like they wouldn't all necessarily use the same one. Like Mm. different schools would use different computers like Amigas and uh, and BBC Micros and Macs and stuff like that. But then we were at that point, because like when we were there, like 99, 2000, something like that. And that was sort of around the time of like the standardized Windows machine becoming the norm. Exactly. So as a result of that, our school had a very large um, supply of these called these old Acorn Archimedes PCs or computers rather, not Mm. PCs that they no longer used, but they had a couple still like set up because a lot of the teachers there were like, I don't understand this newfangled Windows thing, give me the old <laughs> thing. Which is what it was. If you remember in the in the room that we, we used it, in the A11 uh, computer room, yeah. um, that was why it was there, because there were several 
several uh, staff members that didn't want to use the new one. Yeah. <laughs> and so we always kind of went in with the bated breath of like, please don't let an old teacher be using the yeah, machine today right. so we can use it. That's right. And it was, I think it like had, didn't it have Elite installed on it? Like tucked away somewhere on it was this, was a copy of Elite. Yeah. And we found it and started playing it. And then we actually had... We had our copy of the game and the save on like a floppy disk, which mm-hmm. we would then like transport to and from school and keep in our bags all day. That's and like it, that's it. in the evening, like after school, we would go up to the computer room and sit down at that one Acorn Archimedes. And it was also with our friend Proen as well, who's a listener on the show. And the three of us would take it in turns and we would basically <laughs> like we would each do a jump and a dock. Like we were trading yeah. and we would go from place to place and we would each take it in turns to like go from one place to another. Um, and you, you know, if you, if you got into a fight, then you get into a fight or whatever and things like that. And yeah, I just, I remember playing that a lot. Um, <laughs> I remember one of the reasons I think it was on there was because I think that the head of the IT department there basically liked the game himself yeah that's right i think he probably just left it tucked away there so he could play it i I remember him saying he used to play it on a bbc micro with like his sister or something like that like they used to play it when they were when i guess i mean he wasn't like young so he wouldn't have been super young when it first came out yeah nonetheless like he remembered playing it and so i remember him kind of like watching you know sort of like with fond eyes at us playing this the new him, generation like, playing the old game yeah and for him like super fancy version of elite mm, with colors and everything <laughs> yeah and colors and you could use a mouse <laughs> oh oh yeah of course yeah because we had you know, mouse controls at this yeah point, didn't we? Ooh, the old one fancy. didn't have the ma- have support for the mouse but yeah so we had a lot of fun playing that and actually i did i had i like picked up an acorn like a leftover acorn from school and brought it home so that i could carry on playing at home yeah i I remember having an acorn in my room like next to my pc basically that i could and all i used it for was for playing elite (laughs) which is awesome and and that really does to me speak volumes of how good the game was Mm. but also how fantastic the genre was that it created yes and there's been lots of games that have kind of been made afterwards that really followed its formula both its direct sequels but also sort of like spiritual successors and just other games within the same genre the space sim genre mm. uh, i mean we, we did mention briefly the idea of the frontier elite 2, 2 direct yes. sequel uh which came out a little bit afterwards. yeah and there was also frontier first encounters which was kind mm-hmm. of like a it was basically like a sort of half sequel to Elite yes. 2 because they were very, very similar. They were, yes. Frontier Elite 2 was launched to sort of mixed reviews and First Encounters was launched to very mixed reviews. Yes, it was, definitely. I think, if I remember rightly, it had very bad bugs in it. Yes, um, And it the game had to be either, not recalled, but like, because you couldn't recall things, I suppose, but it, it had to be sort of like released as open shareware because it just wasn't yeah. a particularly good game and it was impossible to patch it and it was really awkward. Well, they had to release again, like patched versions of the game, but this is in a day when, you know, you received the game on a on a floppy disk. So yeah, there was by no ordering it from your local computer or fair or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting actually, you've mentioned on the notes here, and I didn't realise this, like the those two those sequels kind of they were the ones that started to flesh out the world of Elite mm. and the story because the first one didn't really have that much. It did have some very, very crude sort of quests and stuff like that, but it barely even told you the names of the ships. You had to look in the manual to know what the names yes. of the ships were. 
Well, that was right. The, the only two things, bits of information in the original game which kind of fleshed out the world was the manual, which back in the day was a very big, important thing, and you had to read the manual. Yes. And I think there was a book to a novel. Oh, you're um, right, yes. I think it's called The Dark Wheel, if yes, I remember that's rightly. that's right, yep. Uh, and that was, again, set in the same universe. But I think that was probably as close to the game as kind of any sci-fi novel would have been realistically yeah. i know it was made for the game specifically but it wasn't created with the game in mind i wouldn't have thought it was probably just like an add-on at mm. the same time whereas now like you look at elite dangerous and there are actual novels you know yes. very much a part of the universe with all the same names and dates mm. and places yep. and stuff in them yeah it's much more cohesive um, now that's a good word for it, yeah, cohesive, absolutely. But the, the direct sequels to Original Elites, they, they did build the world. So they introduced sort of the main factions in the Federation, the Imperials, and the Alliance. Uh, they introduced sort of the, the common ships, things like the um, the Cobra and the Anaconda. Uh, and they also introduced other alien races like the Thargoids, which very recently made kind of like a really big comeback in Elite Dangerous, mm. uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, but these games had a very different feel to them gameplay-wise, though, because they were more, quote-unquote, realistic. Yes. Because they had, like, that like, whole Newtonian physics-style movement. So Proper, everything like, felt... time and stuff. Yeah, like, you had to sort of, like, speed up time because it would take literal hours to go from one place to another. Whereas in the original Elite, it was very arcade. It was kind of, like, point-and-click. Mm-hmm kind of go here do this sort of thing what i really like when i think of uh frontier elite 2 and first encounters because i did play a bit of elite 2 i actually i think i found a copy or like picked up a copy really cheap at a car at a car boot fair or something like that what i remember most bit most striking about it was you actually start on a planet it actually had like uh planet planetaries you know cities and landing and stuff and in the distance you could see another planet that had mm. rings around it and was a different color and it did quite a good job of sort of making you think, wow, I can actually fly over to that planet. Like, the, And on mm. that planet is a space station. And there was no loading zones. Like there was for hyperspace from one to another, but you could just fly to that other planet that was over in the distance and you would just speed up time and wait until you got there. <laughs> Which is very impressive because, again, yeah. considering the release of the game was in 1993, you know, and that was when... You had like, was the Super Nintendo even out at that point? Like, yeah, it might have just maybe. been out about then, I think. Uh, you know, and that's, that's impressive when you think about that from a PC point of view. Absolutely. And then the the genre had other sort of like spiritual successes and uh, kind of games following in its in its vein. One that we were very fond of um, was Freelancer. I, I loved Freelancer. It was so good. It, it's one that very very much has a special place in my heart mm. and. I think the reason we resonated with it so much is because we loved Elite so much, but Freelance was sort of like the Elite of our age. Yes. Because it was, obviously, it was it was on Windows PC rather than on, you know, sort of like um, BBC Micro, Ar- <laughs> Archimedes, uh, Amigas, etc. It was, it was, it was it's published by Microsoft, so it was specifically for Windows. And it was very pretty for its for its day as well. I mean, in my opinion, if you could just increase the resolution of the game, it would actually look quite pretty now. Yeah. Um, I imagine the resolution uh, limitations are probably what make the game almost unplayable on today's monitors. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but it's still quite a pretty game, you know, and everything looked really nice. It was very stylized. And we really just kind of latched onto that, didn't we? Mm. What's interesting about Freelancer is actually I don't think it's that similar to elites like there Mm. are a lot of similarities but at the same time 
it was very, very arcadey, and it was less uh, open world and sandboxy. There was more of a story and a structure yes. to the, you know, you had you had a particular set of missions to go through, and the trading was a little bit lackluster, and it wasn't really the right way to make money. Bit the, clunky. Main, the main way to make money was missions. doing missions yeah. and killing things, and it was very much like a, a space shooter, really, um, first, and a open world second. Um, yeah. It did have a lot of mods, though. It had a, you know, uh, it had like a, did it have a multiplayer mod and stuff yeah. like that? Well, it wasn't even a multiplayer mod. It was just a straight up mode, a part of the game. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was It was just part of the base game. And yep. then I think when the game's servers kind of got pulled down, because inevitably they did, I think there was a very large community surrounding it that oh, of kind of kept it alive yes. for a long time with yeah. mods as well. So you could fly like the really kind of big kind of cruiser ships that mm. you saw in the single player that weren't otherwise attainable within the game. That's right, yeah. But it was something that had that same spirit mm. as the original Elite. Lots of differences, but still really resonated with us. Yeah. And it's maybe something that we could do like a retrospective on on its own, yeah. uh, maybe. Uh, and something that I would definitely like to play again if mm. it was possible um, as well. Obviously, with, again, running on modern PCs is kind of awkward. Now, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's a tricky one. And then just briefly as well, because we've gone on a little longer than we anticipated, is another game series that we, we know was quite heavily influenced by Elite, but one we've not really played much ourselves was the X series. Yeah. That was a little bit more hardcore. That was sort of a quote-unquote grown-up version of Elite, I mm-hmm. think is yeah. is fair to say. I think it's sort of... I, I played X2. I played a reasonable amount of X2, and I could never really get into it. It was just too... It was too dry mm. like i remember reviews saying it was dry it's very like slow paced and ah uh, just difficult to get your head around in the same way that eve is but like single player and older <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah I, it's it, throughout as you said here that throughout the series it's 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 had a mixed reception compared to something like freelancer but all of these games have really paved the way to what has now really it's in my mind relaunched um space games as a yeah, as a viable genre and that is elite 4 or elite dangerous which is the new one that's come out now when this came out in wait when did it come out 2014 yeah i think it was 2014 when it was released like kind of as a fully released game yeah, yeah for realsies not for play play um <laughs> and i think it was in like a kind of closed beta for a while as well wasn't it before right that. And so it's interesting because Frontier Developments, the company that owned the license for Elite, they always said that they were going to make Elite 4, basically from when First Encounters came out. So from 1995, (laughs) they said that they were going to make a new game, a new Elite. And I remember like every now and then you would hear a little bit of like, oh, there's going to be an Elite 4. They're still making it. They're still working (laughs) on it. Like when is it? It was it was very much it turned into like the Half-Life 3 or Duke Nukem yeah, Forever. Yeah, I was going to say Duke was always Nukem Forever. Like, yeah, Duke Nukem Forever would come out at the same time as Elite Dangerous. <laughs> but both have now come out, like Elite 4 and Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> Bit difference in reception there. Um, yeah, quite. And I really think that Elite Dangerous goes back to the roots of Elite. I think that it yeah, sort of definitely. looks at Frontier Elite 2 and first encounters and goes, okay, right, we get it. Like, <laughs> that was that was a mistake, you know. And it takes some stuff from it, like you say, the story and the world and the planetary landing and, and, and all of those kinds of things. But it, it really drops back to the feel of the first Elite mm. game. It's because, in my opinion, it, it opens it up again. 
Mm. Because the game is faster paced, yes. it doesn't feel like such a slog to go exploring. You're right, yeah. So you can just go and do stuff. And if it doesn't work out, it's not a problem. It's not mm. that big of a mm. time waste yet. Yeah. You know, and then you find your stride and you find what you like, and then it's super rewarding when you do do that. Yeah, absolutely. And so when when I heard that Elite Dangerous was coming out and it, it was crowdfunded through Kickstarter, I immediately backed it. I was like, I have been waiting for this game since playing <laughs> Arc Elite in, in school, you know, on an Acorn Archimedes in the year 2000. So it's like 13 years later, I'm like, I am backing this. I was back at 855. I was one of the first 1,000 cool. people to back this it's game. It's pretty cool. Did you get any kind of special backer awards for being that early? Uh, I don't think so, apart from getting the game really cheap because mm. one of the tiers was like, get the game for real cheap. <laughs> nice. And... There were in the end there were nearly twenty six thousand backers of the game. It clearly just they picked the right time and they like many Kickstarters, they really played on the nostalgia factor. Hundred um, percent, definitely. And, and in this case it worked and they actually achieved it. And they were very honest about the way that they developed it, which I think was really great. The actual the first game that was released that was Elite Dangerous, so to speak, and the first beaters felt so much like the original because there was so little depth to the game Mm. it was like you could fly from one place to another and you could trade and you could shoot things and there were kind of missions but kind of not really Um, (laughs) and like it really 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 felt like the first elite i was like this is this is the first elite with a fancier graphics engine it just immediately captured it in my mind so that was sort of both a highlight and a low light because I was so excited about that fact. I was like, I am transported back to playing Arc Elite, but with good mm. graphics now. But at the same time, it was like, uh, I'm not really sure the world is like in the right place for this kind of game anymore. You know, people expect more from a game than that kind of sandbox. That's no yeah, longer... Just a, just a sandbox, right, yeah. That's no longer like the amazing thing it was back in 1984 <laughs> when, the, you know, when the first game came out. And also it was quite buggy because inevitably, mm. in the same way that First Encounters and Elite 2 was, building a, a such an extensive game, even now, is a, is a difficult thing. Um, I mean, they're always developing it now. And right. You, you do get a lot of sort of feedback from them saying, look, we know about this thing. We know yeah. I mean, recently they've not even had to challenges with bugs. It's also just challenges with pure gameplay mechanics mm, and mm. the constant feedback they're getting from that. Like it's a never ending process of trying to sort of like iron everything out and make it as good as it can be. Yeah. But you, but so I, I backed it and I sort of play, I've played it on and off ever since essentially, not massively, but then you have really come to it a lot later, right? Mm. Well, that was through you. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's sort of when we started not far off doing the podcast as well. Like, True, yeah. Uh, so we, we kind of met up for the first time in quite a many few years. And uh, one of the things that you were really excited to talk about was elites because yeah. you'd, you'd backed it. And it, I, I think this is either when it would just come into like full release or it was still kind of in closed beta or something yeah and you know we you talked about it i was like yeah yeah i'll I'll pick it up at some point and then (laughs) i don't know what made what pushed me i think it was probably playing it on your pc i think that's right land maybe or something i was like yeah okay this is awesome yeah yeah i think that was Um, what it was (laughs) and i got home i picked it up and within like a day i was like okay i need it i need a flight stick um (laughs) so i was like yeah go, go away keyboard and mouse you're not good enough i need a flight stick for you and yeah, it, I've just kind of been hot on it ever since. Mm. And I think for me, it, it hits the exact same spot that it did for you in the sense that it, it takes me back to playing old school elite 
i.e. in school and freelancer, you know. But it also scratches another itch, which is that MMO itch that I get sometimes. Yeah. Um, like, I've not been a particularly hardcore MMO junkie for most of my life, with the exception of a few teenage years when I was pleased to play Ragnarok Online, which I think <laughs> I've mentioned a few times. But you still have that same sort of rewarding feeling when you play an MMO like that. It's and like a it's like a drug. It's like you never really you never really quit being an MMO addict once you've once no, been an MMO addict. <laughs> I don't think you do, you do, and as a result of that, elites you know really satisfies that urge, but in a in a kind of a simpler, more streamlined way. Yeah, because you're not forced to deal with people, but there are always <laughs> people around. If that makes sense, yeah. It's quite an alone um, together game. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. It's a really cool way of doing it. I like the the open solo private group mechanic they have where you can play yeah. either online all the time or sort of like passive mode online and yeah. that kind of thing. It's, it's a clever idea. It's actually, you know, thinking about it, it's because we've talked about, st- we've started right from the beginning and we've, and we've worked our way through and we're talking about how, oh, Elite Dangerous is so much like the original game. Except for that massive fact that it's online and you're playing yes. with, every, you're connected to everyone else that's playing at the same time, which yeah, it's is a persistently online game. Yeah, and like that's that is so cool mm. <laughs> when you actually think about it in the context of that game from 1984. You know, people wouldn't have even dreamt of being able to play that same game no. essentially, but everyone is playing at the same time. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it's in some of the very original design documents, they probably had like a, how do we make it so that people can connect their computers together to play at the same time? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and it just wouldn't have been technically possible no. to thought. Like it just, it's just outside the realm of the technical possibilities of the era. And then like, they've come to develop it like back in like 2012, 2013 and gone, hey, we can do this now yeah. because people have high speed internet access. That's this crazy. Is a thing. It's crazy. And it really does change the game a lot as well because mm. you have that whole sort of like background simulation uh, with like changing of the economy and everything, yeah. which is really, really cool. It makes it feel like a really kind of lived, alive universe. Yeah. And then you also have the community engagement from Frontier Development, yeah. which I think they're very good at. I mean, we've already talked about that in depth in our community management episode. And those things really do make the game last longer too. Because yeah. For as much as I think I love the game, I don't think I'd have put in as many hours as I would have done so far if it wasn't for that. Mm. Albeit some of those are from the launcher, just sitting on my desktop, not, not, not being closed. <laughs> uh, I, I hate launchers. But yeah, I, I just really, I've really grown to love the game for what it is beyond what it reminds me of, if that makes yeah. sense. Agreed. Like, I love it because it is elite but i also love it because it's elite dangerous yeah and i think they've done a really great job of that like they have managed to make a game that doesn't just it catches you with nostalgia and then hooks you with the game itself yeah i think that that's it that's it yeah and yeah it's just it's really great that like thinking back to playing the original arc elites not original original but the one that we played and you know and to think that now there's another game that has the same sort of place in our in our lives and in our hearts you know the same sort of storytelling and the same you know you're playing essentially the same game but you know 2013 edition 2018 yeah. edition yeah you know it's it's really interesting and i think that it's exciting because it has spurred on other you know more space simulators um you know you've also got uh, star citizen which is actually from the same guy that made freelancer so that's mm-hmm. super exciting because we did really love freelancer 
And you've also got people exploring, you know, other sort of genres and, and, and sort of subgenres of the whole thing. You've got things like the Everspace, which is a, a roguelike, but space sim, um, which is really cool. Uh, and it's something we've talked about before, actually, about platforming games and how platforming games became the like indie genre, because mm. as indie developers got better, they were able to start making 2D platformers and now we're starting to see independently made 3D platformers. Yes. And I wonder if maybe and to some extent we will see the same with space sims. As yeah, indie definitely. developers get better, they will turn to, you know, space-based games as a potential genre to tackle where a few years ago it would have been like no, that is too complex um yeah, to, no, to build. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you've definitely got a, a point there and it'd be really exciting to see where that goes. Hmm. And I'm be excited to see how much off of the formula they go yeah from exactly basically what elite invented all those years ago exactly because as much as we we really like elite dangerous it is quite strict to that original formula in a way definitely so let's see some you know some mixing it up absolutely i i, I think 100 percent. you know it started the it it started the genre it is still part of the genre but now there is so much more scope um yes. for, for interesting things so I'm, I'm definitely excited about that and it's just it's just really interesting to go all the way back to that to those early beginnings and and you know think about that early game um and where it sits in the landscape now mm. then yeah maybe we'll be talking about some other space games in the future yeah like i definitely would like to cover the sort of like history and backstory of the star citizen oh definitely uh, yes. dangerous yeah, no yeah, man's yeah. sky sort of thing we'd we discuss yeah, yeah yeah um that would be quite cool to discuss as well i think that's a that's a topic for another episode absolutely but yeah hopefully you've enjoyed this sort of trip down memory lane for us telling a few yeah. stories about um how it's you quite know, nostalgic yeah definitely um it, may, it does make me want to go and play it but i know that my memory will be a little bit ruined by playing it again because it's yeah. not it's just not quite the same no, but we will link to dangerous. some we will link to some footage of the original of Arc Elite, which is the one that we played, and also, you know, Frontier Elite 2 and First Encounters and, you know, some resources if you want to try them yourself. You can actually, there's a web browser-based emulator version of the original Elite on the BBC Micro, which you can just play for free in your browser. Um, so we'll link to that. Mm-hmm. And if you've been enjoying Elite Dangerous as well, uh, let us know because we will happily wing up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hell, in, in future updates uh, for Elite Dangerous, you'll have squadrons as well. And so we could maybe have mm-hmm. an Octal FM squadron. Ooh, that would be cool. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Uh, so if you want to get involved in the uh, Elite Dangerous Octal FM squadron, then you should definitely contact us. You can hit us up on Twitter. We're at Octal FM. Or you can send us an email. We're show at octal.fm on the emails. That was a weird mm-hmm. little wording there, but never mind. That makes sense. And you can also come grab us on Facebook. Uh, just search octal.fm or go to facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. Uh, we're also on Instagram. We're octal.fm on Instagram because someone yeah. has octal.fm. Typical. Uh, but never mind. I actually just posted... At the time of recording, I just posted in our story of my little remote recording location because I'm uh, oh, at, yeah, a, yeah. at a different location. In the meantime, I've been Gelada. And I've been Seferin. And uh, wait, what do you say? Uh, see you... What is the like Elite Dangerous thing that, that Frontier sign off with? Um, see you in space? I guess it is see you in space. Like, I, I would have always said, like, see you in space. Well, right Cowboy. on Commander. That's like... Right on Commander, yeah. <laughs> it's, one of those. it's one of those. See you in space. We'll see you in space. <laughs> <laughs>